Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hi there, and welcome to this month's edition of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. It's me, your host, Rebecca, and today I was joined um, by the very lovely Kareen Rayson, who was up um, about 5 a.m. <laughs> ahead of our call, um, as she's on the other side of the world. So thank you again, Kareen. Uh, Kareen is the owner and um, face behind the crew coach. Um, and they are an amazing support system for crew out there, whether you're just getting started, you're transitioning out, you have an issue on board. Um, it's really a one-stop shop for, um, crew seeking that sort of support that sometimes you're missing when you're alone at sea. Um, but it's also so much more than that. It's educational, it's um, a platform for really anyone and everyone in the industry. So we're really thankful that she could make the time to be with us. Um, she gives all the plugs for where to find her. Uh, and I really highly recommend that you check them out. There's a ton of free downloads and links and helpful tips and tricks for um, anyone really uh, who wants to get to know a little bit more about the industry or whether you're already in it. Um, so without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Kareen, and thanks so much for tuning in again. And of course, as always, if you don't already subscribe to us, please head over to iTunes, Google Play. Uh, we love to see when a new follower pops up, and uh, why not leave us a little review and give us a rating, um, as that really warms our heart too. Okay. okay, so we are here with Kareen Rayson of The Crew Coach. Uh, Kareen has a number of years in the industry, and uh, we're really excited she can join us. Um, it is very early her time. So thank you, Corrine, so much for joining us. And why don't you give us a little bit of background on your time in the industry and your work with the crew coach? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here and talking to you. Um, and also the work that you guys are doing. I think it's really uh, an exciting space to be a part of. So for myself, um, I got into the industry, I think it was probably nine years ago now, and I was looking to travel but to return to my country with money rather than without money. <laughs> right. And I had no idea about yachting. I went home to South Africa. I was living in Australia. I went home to South Africa for a holiday. And when I was going out to the bars, I was meeting people who were in the industry. And I thought, there we go. The universe has provided me an answer. <laughs> I decided to do my training in Cape Town and returned to, oh, just actually before returning to Australia, I met up with friends from university and went canyoning, which is called kloofing in South Africa. Right. And I was having such a good time in Cape Town. I didn't, wasn't quite ready to leave and went canyoning and jumped off a mountain and snapped my <gasps> vertebra oh, and no. my pelvis. So I was airlifted out oh and then presented on the news. Oh, you and got interviewed. Yeah, my father was walking to church the next morning and saw um, the, the lamppost, you know, how they've got the headlines oh. for the news articles. And it said, um, what was it? Aussie tourist injured at Suicide Gorge. Oh, my gosh. And, so and the name, I, too. Eh? <laughs> it's yeah, well, I didn't know there were dead bodies at the bottom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, because if I did, I probably wouldn't have done it. I was quite nervous jumping because it was such a – it was three stories. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was quite frightening. And I tried to back out, but I just thought I can't do it to the rest of the group. Too far the gone. Because, <laughs> yeah. So, 
That's so. I went. Um, I flew into Ancona. I got a job through a friend who knew a captain, and yeah, it all started there. And I did it for probably two to two and a half years, and it was a really interesting space. I didn't do charter, um, just privately owned, and we probably had a lot of crew politics okay. on board our yachts, and then I was. I found myself in the middle. don't know if it's because I did my psychology degree, but I was quite pleased because I felt that I was being extra useful on board. And it's something that I love, human behavior and solving problems. And back then, nine years ago, I thought, gosh, why don't they have leadership training? How come the heads of department aren't equipped or have the soft skills to manage these situations? Because it's quite simple. A lot of conflict arises as a result of um, misunderstanding of values and not communicating clearly your needs and your wants. Yeah. And, and the tight space just, must be a little for yeah, some people, right? Space. Yeah. And so I was just flabbergasted. It's a very unique environment to be, as you said, living and working together. Yeah. So uh, that was probably when the seed was planted for me and then I well yachting what yachting did do for me is confirm that I wanted to pursue further studies in my field of psychology and counseling which I did and I think it was two years before finishing my degree I was offered a placement and I visualized working with children originally and then I got offered this placement in a prison and I I thought, are you joking? Okay, wow. Talk about extremes. <laughs> I do not want to work with men. Brutal. I don't want to work with men. I didn't want to work um, with adults. And then prison, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is probably the hardest job I could ever get. But yeah. I thought, you know what? It's actually I'm up for the challenge. And ironically, they are like kids. So a lot of them come from uh, trauma backgrounds and that has emotionally stunted them. So they, a lot of them do behave like children. Yeah. So that was quite ironic. And I thought if I want to be the best uh, in terms of in working in that particular field, I just as well do the toughest job. And so it all evolved from there. And then I, to keep it short, I had a motor scooter accident going down to Bondi Beach and oh, the scooter no. fell onto my ankle and it shattered it. And I'm a bit of a workaholic and I've absolutely loved working in the jails. It was so fulfilling for me. It didn't feel like work. And I got picked up, taken to hospital and the surgeon told me that I wouldn't be able to walk for six weeks. And I said, no, oh my you're goodness. That's your own sentence. <laughs> Exactly. And I was planning to go to work the next day. I had full intention of like hobbling it to work. Oh, no. And so that was that was really, really tough for me, a good learning experience. But however, that's how the crew coach evolved for me because I had the time to reflect on my life and think about my career direction and where I wanted to end up and how I wanted my life to look like and reflected on yachting and the gaps that I discovered back then and did my research and I found that my only real competitor would have been the crew coach and then I was in Europe went to Monaco just to have a feel around meet a couple of people 
And I thought, you know what, I'm going to contact Alison from The Crew Coach and ask if she wants to meet up for coffee. And I did, and she said to me that she was in Melbourne, the city that I flew from to get oh, to Melbourne. No. <laughs> what are and the chances? She, I know, right? And she'd been, like, living in France for 17 years or something. Oh, so, wow. And she had just moved over. So I got back, and I my intuition was like, you need to call her. And I was having this little dilemma in my head. I'm like, but I don't know what to say to her. And you're like, you just got to call her. So I did. And then she said to me that, um, would I, would I be interested in taking over the crew coach? Cause she's selling her ma- father passed away. So that's okay. why she was back in Australia and she started a new venture and yeah, she just wanted to do something different. So the stars aligned for me and that's how I got into the crew coach. Wow. That is, we were just saying before we started recording that you can never guess how someone enters the yachting industry. <laughs> and I think that is one of the craziest ones too, like working in a prison, shattered an ankle and then, you know, made it full circle back into yachting. That's cool. And now you get to marry your two sort of passions and, and education. Yeah. And with the crew now that you're seeing and that are approaching you, um, is there like one thing that they come to the most? Like, is it like you said, you know, um, issues with like between crew and management or is it burnout? Is it how to actually get in? Like, do you get a lot of newcomers approaching you or is it people that have kind of been in the industry for a while? What are you seeing? Well, what the crew coach judge does is it has um, a range of service offerings to meet the needs of uh, the particular, how could I describe it, uh, population group or cohort within the industry. So you've got your yacht management companies, you've got crew, you've got green crew, you've got experienced crew, you've got heads of departments. So there are specific niches within the industry and I target those niches. So for example, green crew, if they were approaching me, they would be asking, how do I get into the industry? And then I've got a free four part ebook where I give them um, all the information on how to get in, who to see. And then I've also got a CV service. So a lot of people ask for help with their CVs. And then, so I address that. And then from there, I've got a counseling service. And I have a lot of crew approaching with regards to mental health issues. So I work with clients in that area. And then heads of departments, I train them with leadership skills, so emotional intelligence, how to uh, boost crew engagement and morale and productivity. And there's also an online e-learning program. And that's and it's going to be huge because we're going to get other industry partners on board offering courses. So it's like a one-stop shop for crew to grow and further develop their skills. And I think it's something really important to think about because there's going to be a time perhaps where you don't want to do uh, yachting forever. And then you go, and this is what a lot of crew who have transitioned out, which I help too with regards to my coaching aspects aspect of the business. But they leave the industry and it's not the life that they thought they could have because they can't find a job that would remunerate them as much as yachting did. Yeah. So then they fall into, say, a depression or anxiety. Um, There's a sense of hopelessness, not knowing 
your career or future career direction and finding something that's purposeful and meaningful. And I think our generation is all about finding employment that gives us joy Mm -hmm. rather than doing a job for the sake of having a job. Right. And yeah, we've had a lot of success with a crew who have used those services and are now employed without having to go out and study a degree and doing something that they absolutely love. So that is really, really exciting and rewarding for myself to know that they can achieve that. Yeah, that's amazing because also it's, you also have to kind of look at where those skills can be applied in an industry you might not have been in for 10 or 15 years. So you're coming in at a certain level that maybe somebody is, but you don't have the experience in that particular role or space and kind of making sure that you, A, can like achieve and adapt that. But then if you can, like capitalizing it, and I'm sure it's kind of hard to showcase that to an employer and, you know, maybe you feel like they're taking a risk on you or something, even though you're fully capable, but it's kind of such a unique job that you've done for 10 years. It it can be hard to Mm. parlay that into something else. A hundred percent. So it's really looking at your skill set with when doing yachting, but it's more than just, you know, cleaning a boat. You've got to think diverse and how you can apply your skill set on a shore-based position, yes. in a shore-based position, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do you think, um, just some advice for the the clients that we might have listening who are planning on taking a charter, because um, mm. it is so nice having the crew, obviously that's something, and the biggest thing we get compliments on is the private chef everyone loves. Um, but how? Mm. what else can they do to... Um, not alleviate, but like also work with the crew, you know, you don't want the crew to feel like it's us versus them and and vice versa. So just some insight into what their role is really like and and how can you ensure like a harmonious Mm. charter for everyone? Mm. Well, I think with crew, they're the backbone of a yacht. So it's probably your biggest asset. So when you charter a yacht, it's not the cheapest thing to charter. And if you're chartering, you're obviously going to respect the the yacht and everything inside the yacht so you're not going to trash it because then you'll be liable and it's the same with crew like you need to treat the crew with respect as you would with the yacht and be kind to them and they want to create the ultimate experience for you and being a smaller yacht I think their focus is to create an ambiance that's warm and fun and you it's about sharing that experience together and being conscious of the amount of effort and work that they put into creating that experience. So I think if you can act with kindness and respect, you're just going to have the most incredible experience when you charter a yacht because the crew want to give you everything that they possibly can to make that experience happen. Yeah, I I think actually I've been in yachting for almost 10 years, you know, writing about it and marketing, but I've not gone as in-depth with um crew as I have sort of with this podcast and with our blog and I'm amazed at how just about every crew member I've spoken to shares that same passion which you might not think at a first glance you might think they're just doing a job or maybe it's for the travel like maybe something else drives them um but so many of them have commented on their pride of workplace and that they just want to give you that best experience so I I think it's great that you stressed it and I don't think it can be stressed enough (laughs) because they are there to make sure you have the absolute best time Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very interesting mm-hmm. to hear, though. Um, and so you've been in it for a while now, sort of on both sides. Is there um, sort of a big shift that you've seen in the industry while you've been in it, um, both as, 
you know, starting out as crew and now you're sort of on the other end of it. So you're seeing where they've ended up now, you know, so many years later, have you seen a big shift? I think overall looking at it, I say the biggest shift is the power of social media. Mm. So I don't know when working in the industry from your end, the recruitment companies, I think, have suffered as a result because crew are finding jobs through their network using the platforms. Right. And so that's undercutting the work that recruitment companies do. So I think what's happening is crew are becoming more empowered and knowing that they can actively make an impact or a difference or leverage off social media to serve their objectives, essentially. So for me, that's what I've noticed. And I think what's so powerful from my end with regards to the business is being able to connect with crew, even though I can be, we're all so far away from each other. So it really closes the gap of communication and people feel so supportive. So I'm really active on social media and I feel like it's probably a year now that I have posted a story every single day and it requires so much time and effort and work, but it's just to send out a message that the crew coach is here for you through thick and thin. And I think that's how crew are getting value out of social media because they're building their own community because we all know how tough it is. It's so isolating and they feel more connected. And as humans, we need to feel a sense of belonging. That's part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's one of the primary needs. Yeah. And I think it's like you say with Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the recruitment have their fair dues, of course, but it's also, kind of what made it harder intimidating to break in at one point too, right? With your green crew, if it's this, you know, scary system maybe or something. So now it's kind of breaking down, like you say, that barrier to different things, but also connecting you with people. Like we had um, Gemma Christian of the Yachts on and think like accounts mm-hmm. like that and like yours where it's like, you know, you can come to this place and you're going to get resources and support and, you know, you might be a, on a boat that maybe you don't get on with your other crew members, or maybe you've been stuck in the middle of the ocean for two months on back-to-back charters. And it's just, like you say, it's nice to have that safe space. Um, and, and I agree. I think it's amazing what it's what it's done to the industry, the social media aspect. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I'd love, um, while, while we're talking about it, where can people find you if they want to check you guys out on your website and your social handles? Oh, thanks. Yeah. So we are on Facebook as the crew coach and then social media. So Instagram, it's the underscore crew underscore coach Okay. on Instagram. Yeah. And then we've got a website with a lot of details and heaps of downloadables as well. Free downloadables, for example, goal setting and how to use feedback models there's all sorts of things. So definitely check it out because okay. I think the purpose is to provide value and that just provides connection and makes people's lives a lot easier when you get something else of being part of a service offering. Yeah, definitely. I think that's fantastic that you offer that. And uh, something else that our listeners love to listen about is um, like your own favorite corner of the globe. <laughs> Before we hopped on the call, we were just talking about how you're kind of jet setting all over and you've done a few months here, a few months there. And, you know, we are so connected so we can do that. But is there a place like mm-hmm. when you just want to relax or escape for a bit, like a favorite area you like to go to? 
I do have a favorite area and I'm going there on Saturday. So that's for me, Bali, because it's so close to Australia. And I just adore Uluwatu. I love the beach and the sunshine. Yeah. So I'm escaping the cold winter and I'm going to hang out there and enjoy fresh food. But um, a dream destination for me would be the French Polynesia. I would Ooh. love to go to Bora Bora. That's been on my vision board for many years. Okay. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> you need to, apparently, all of your big life-changing moments happen after you've just been injured so you need to get injured <laughs> sit on it <laughs> yeah. hopefully that won't happen <laughs> yeah I hope not actually if you do I'm gonna feel very guilty about that so I'll put out all the good vibes um I'm also not gonna take you up on the uh winter in quotations of Australia as I sit in Canada at least it's summer here but our winters are are kind of brutal (laughs) but I'll let it slide um and since you have had a few different hats like if you weren't in your current role with the crew coach what, what do you think you'd be doing for a living I think I would be working potentially at the head office of the Department of Corrective Services and fighting for programs and education for prisoners because the environment that they live in is atrocious i get that they need to be punished but that's not uh, an effective form of punishment their recidivism rate is really high which means there's a revolving door and they come back in again mm-hmm. and there's a lot of drugs in prisons i saw drugs getting passed from my office window where wow. they've made um a parachute out of a toilet paper roll okay and done drug drops that way and you just see this thing flying in the air across all the soul windows. I'm like, what is that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, and they are like, I had such, a, I'm going to say a good connection with them, but there's so many of them who need help and want to change and they just weren't getting the help that they needed. So I really felt like I was pushing really hard and not getting the results that I wanted. And there was just, it was basically I was doing a lot of crisis intervention. So for me, I would want to go to head office and continue writing programs and ensuring that they get the treatment that they need. And then I'd probably also have my own practice and perhaps start seeing children. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny that you didn't <laughs> you didn't want to do it, and now it's like your yeah. plan B. You know, if you could do anything yeah. else, so interesting. But looking looking back now, I know it was all for a reason because, uh, like with prison, like you hear some horrendous stories, and it's really heartbreaking. And I wouldn't take that home with me. Whereas if I was working with kids, I would worry all night. I would stress about it, and it wouldn't. I, I, I know I'd reach burnout very, very quickly. So I'm just glad that it all worked out for yeah. the best. Yeah, and you can I, use those best of both, yeah. right? You know, you're still practicing it, but in a, a different environment and you're married. Yeah, you different. Travel. <laughs> exactly. And different environments. It's funny because there's still a running theme with prison and yachting, and they say the, whole, the golden handcuffs with yachting. Yeah. So true. there's a lot of parallels, like, Um, being institutionalized I think you can be when working on board for significant periods of time and the effects of isolation being away from your loved ones the same as prisoners so there's a lot of parallels with prison and yachting that's very interesting yeah you need to write a piece on that or something that we can read (laughs) because it's true I've never really thought about it well like a lot of people right it's a very shiny 
happy, you know, vacation industry, right? It's like a passion. So you don't often see it that way, but it's true for some people. I'm sure it does become like that. So interesting mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. Well, thanks, Corinne. This was really nice. I'm so glad we were able to sit down and I know it's really early for you over there. So I hope you can have a coffee and put your feet up before your next call. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for connecting with me and I wish you all the best. Yes, you too. It's our pleasure. And um, I'm going to link everyone your social handles and website so everyone will have access to that. So thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.